As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Everybody, what's up and welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast here on Monday, October 25th, looking at the end of week seven and ahead to week eight. Michael Beller here with you, shepherding through you through this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast, joined as always by Brandon Funston. Funston, what's going on? Not a whole lot, man. It's another week, another week in the life of a fantasy football analyst. <laughs> <laughs> as glamorous as that sounds, believe me, it is even more glamorous than that. Also here with us, Jake Seeley, living the glamour life as well. Jake, how did the uh, blowout Sunday treat you? Uh, it, was, it was all right. It was survive in advance uh, in more ways than one. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, my friend. It's all we're trying to do here every single week, and we're going to help you hopefully do that uh, as we look ahead to week eight. We've got a lot of things we want to get to. We're going to run through every single game from the uh, week seven slate thus far, taking away some of uh, the biggest fantasy lessons that maybe we learned and can apply to the future. We're going to talk some waivers as well, getting some buy-sell discussion as we get into almost the second half of the, or no, we are. This is the second half of the fantasy season starting this week, uh, so that's fun now that we have the 14 game fantasy regular season we have the perfect halfway point we don't have to play that week six week seven which is the halfway point anymore so that's fun starting the second half of the fantasy season this week but I want to kick this show off with winners and losers we'll go to you first Jake who won week seven in the fantasy world uh, well, the fantasy world, uh, because the fantasy world won being able to trust Shanahan again. That's really what it comes down to. It's granted, it's maybe not the split that everybody wanted with Elijah Mitchell still seeding a good amount of work to Jamichael Hasty in the passing game, but it was enough the fact that it's clear Shanahan Mitchell is his guy, and we you know we were ready to roll into the season with Raheem Mostert as a top twenty, if not top fifteen, running back. Don't remind me. <laughs> knowing that he was <laughs> Shanahan's guy and all we've asked for years is just like once we the, the thing with Shanahan has always been is like once we know who the guy is and we've known for some time we've talked about on this show that we had the evidence with before their buy with Trey Sermon that he got one touch it's, Mitchell's the guy so 
No. Is it the bell cow work that we see from some of the top 10 running backs? No, but the fantasy world won because if you had any doubts, they should be out the window of being able to trust Elijah Mitchell as a top 20 running back going forward. Fun. Yeah, I was going to... Yeah, and I was, I mean, I, I consider Elijah Mitchell as, uh, you know, kind of the short list of, of winners. Mm-hmm. I decided to go with um, some other rookies. I thought I would combo the two top five offensive skill position picks in the draft yeah. other than the quarterbacks. I mean, Kyle Pitts, you know, we were waiting when we were waiting. And then the last game we saw him, it was a big game. It was without Calvin Ridley. We hadn't really seen him put together a couple good games in a row. Uh, this is it. It was, you know, this is kind of game on now. It's, uh, it, you know, as much as, you know, Jake was talking about the trust with Elijah Mitchell stuff, I think the trust now is there with Kyle Pitts. Us as fantasy guys are not going to have to field a bunch of Kyle Pitts questions <laughs> anymore. Uh, those are out the window. And and then Jamar Chase, there's nothing to say. He's been winning all year long, but he's now, you know, he's now in the conversation with the elites of the elites. And so um, he's he's kind of moved himself up you know, into that discussion. I just want to throw out one more, just a shout out to Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is, is rolling right now in tough conditions yeah. on the road, a national game, had the one fumble, but everybody was fumbling. He didn't throw an interception through it 26 times, a couple touchdowns, ran one in, just played really good veteran football. And I think that's just good for Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor and the rest of that Colts offense going forward. And we saw it for both of those guys in that game. Michael Pittman with a big one. Jonathan Taylor, another big one. He is certainly in the elite class of running backs now. So definitely good news for the Colts as far as that is concerned. And we'll hit on that game a little bit later. We're also going to have that Jamar Chase discussion in a little bit greater detail when we talk Bengals and Ravens. The first seed in the AFC Cincinnati Bengals, how about that going into week eight, you guys? On the flip side of this discussion, Funston, who lost week seven? Uh, Two running backs, Mike Davis, and I could have said Cordero Patterson won the week because they come out of a bye, and Cordero Patterson is the lead lead back. Mike Davis gets four carries. I mean, now we'll be talking, you know, no more Kyle Pitts questions, but (laughs) plenty of Mike Davis Uh questions. What do you do with Mike Davis? And then one other one to throw into that is Ramondre Stevenson. I mean, a healthy scratch. Brandon Bolden's a top five fantasy running back this week. He he got the work that I thought Ramondre Stevenson was going to get. So, um, you know, that's that's a big bummer. I, I, mean, I apologize. I wasn't expecting you know a healthy scratch from Ramondre, but the the narrative was right that the backup at, the backup in New England uh, was going to you know have a good day against this Jets team. It just was the wrong guy. Yeah, I'm going to go back to the fantasy world again. Oh, I'm going to say the the clingers. Lost. Anybody still clinging to hope for Odell Beckham, Allen Robinson, and who? Uh, wait, there was one. one. There was one more. <laughs> I forgot. Was Mike Davis, oh, the other one. <laughs> no, I mean Mike Davis. Yeah, you definitely can put him in that conversation. No, it was the wide receivers. <laughs> it was wide receivers. We were still holding on. Tyler hope Boyd, for. maybe. No, I mean Tyler Boyd. You could throw him. In. I mean, we'll definitely. I'll definitively just throw in those two for now, because and maybe yeah. I'll think about it later in the show when we're talking about <laughs> other teams. But I mean, if you had any hope for Odell Beckham. Or, I mean, you can say Darnell Mooney, too, but people had, because of Allen Robinson's name, if you were holding right. on hope for either one of them at this point, they're, they're, drop them. Just drop them. There's, there's, you can never play them anymore. And now Jarvis Landry's back, and nothing's going to change, and Mooney's the better option, barely. Not even that he's really an option. Than Allen Robinson is like, so yeah, if you were clinging to hope that something was going to revitalize any of these guys, they're done. They're done. Move on. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more about that Chicago offense or the complete lack of a Chicago offense and what's been happening with that team this season. But one more big topic I want to hit on before we start to get into game by game. Oh, Robbie Anderson. 
stupid people oh, that were Robbie still. Anderson. I mean, I mean, I said yeah. Robbie Anderson drop him two weeks ago, but st- people yeah, still didn't yeah. want to drop him yet. And Sam Darnold just looking like a complete <laughs> mess. The Sam Darnold we all knew so well in New York, really surfacing for the Panthers over these last couple of weeks. Let's hit on the Week 8 waiver wire, you guys. This uh, is, I think, an active enough waiver wire uh, for this week that we actually have some guys we want to go after with some sort of vigor. Let's talk about, I'm going to say that Rashad Bateman and maybe the Eagles backs are at the top of this list. And let's talk about the Eagles backs first for a second here, Jake. Uh, Miles Sanders leaves that loss to the Raiders with an ankle injury, gets carted off. Obviously, we're sitting here on Monday morning. We don't know anything about the severity of the injury for Miles Sanders. But let's look at it. Kenny Gainwell, surprisingly available in a lot of leagues. Boston Scott, very available in a lot of leagues. How do you go into the waiver decision-making process with those two backs specifically? Uh, Not that interested unless I'm desperate, honestly, because Boston Scott, uh, I just talked about with Chris Meany, uh, that's his team. And the reason we're seeing Boston Scott as the lead is because they trust him more in the passing. Like Kenneth Gainwell, he's a rookie, and as a lot of rookies will do. But I mean, Kenneth Gainwell, for all intents and purposes, has been kind of written out a good amount the past few games before Sanders got hurt, similar to Tyson Williams getting benched. is just getting destroyed in the past block and like wrong assignments, getting blown up. Uh, so that's not his game. So I would go Boston Scott before I went with Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell does have, if you want to look at like game script situation, you say, all right, well, they need to pass more, but it's Detroit this week. So you would say this should be a Boston Scott game. But again, this backfield is one that Sirianni is just abandoned. And he tried to get it a little bit more involved this week, as he said he needed to do to help this offense and get a little bit more read option plays with Jalen Hurts. But even so, it's still a split and it's still one that I don't want to mess around with unless I'm desperate. But if I am, it's going to be Boston Scott. Yeah, I just think the nature of the running back position in the you know the matchup with Detroit, mm-hmm. you probably you know if you're if you're hurting at running back, you're definitely looking at Boston Scott. He was a guy that they were using at the goal line there at the end. So, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm I'm I sort of always had a soft spot for Boston Scott, <laughs> but um, like. Jake, Jake said it. it's just a, such a mess of a backfield. I wouldn't see anything more than like a, just a straight split. And, and, you know, Boston Scott's the guy getting the goal line carries. Uh, I, I don't know that Kenneth Gainwell gains a whole lot here uh, overall if his role changes dramatically. It just might just lead Sirianna to lean less on that backfield. I, I mean, I'd say this. I'd start Boston Scott over Mike Davis at this point. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, Mike <laughs> Davis is an awfully hard guy to get behind with uh, with the way that we saw everything break down for him and Cordell what about Patterson. the Mike da- what about the Mike Davis revenge narrative though? I mean, he's got <laughs> Carolina this week. <laughs> oh yeah, he's definitely going to be uh, activating on that in a big way. Uh, Rashad Bateman, how about him? You guys, a uh, guy who is activating, I think, in a meaningful way for the Ravens. Six more targets. He's now had six targets in both games he's played this season. Caught three of them for eighty yards. We know that there are you know fantasy volume related questions for almost anyone in the Ravens passing game, but Funston, how much are you buying in after what we've seen from him the last couple of weeks? I'm buying in on a talent. He's on a buy this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, come back. Sammy Watkins probably back there in the mix. And Jake's talked about this before. I mean, it's, it's very clear that even as talented as he is right now, he is firmly the third option in a yep. passing game that week in and week out, you cannot, you know, you cannot hang your hat on it. You don't know. I mean, it's definitely getting better. And, and, you know, maybe at some point we say, you know what, the third option in this passing attack isn't that bad. But right now you kind of still have some hesitancy with that. So good talent. It was nice to see him take a step in the right direction. I'm interested to have him kind of right now on my bench. But, you know, if he's still out on the waiver wire, I don't know what you're doing this week because 
there on buy. I mean, if you have the luxury of just throwing them there and, and stashing them, that, that's fine. That's worthwhile. Yeah, it really comes down to two points you made in there. And one of them actually even came from Harbaugh is that he said, I, I don't want to play him this much, but the talent is just too, is forcing mm-hmm. his hand, so to speak. Uh, Sammy Watkins maybe comes back after the bribe, but even if so, uh, what I said to Meany is I'm treating him like Rondell Moore's first two weeks because of the name, because he's a rookie, because of the hype, because of the fantasy community, the draft Nick community, like everybody. The hype around Bateman has always been higher than his value has ever been. And even by having two decent games, the value has done nothing but either hold or potentially go up. So mm-hmm. I I see tons of trade questions in my waiver and ranks column every single week. And I see that Bateman... Granted, not every single league, but Bateman's carrying top 30 wide receiver value in trades. And if you can get that, get the hell away from him. And I'm not saying like, oh my God, like he's going to be terrible, but he's a wide receiver four going forward. Mm -hmm. So if you can get that, that's why you get out. And I'm not saying this to victory lap people, but I'm saying everybody who didn't listen for Rondell Moore after the first two weeks are kicking themselves right now. Big Ten contributing some meaningful wide receivers, though. Let's just talk about that. Purdue and Minnesota right there. <laughs> Getting in there. Getting in there, the Big Ten. Uh, Rashad Penny, let's talk about him really quick, you guys. Uh, a lot, Plenty of leagues. You can uh, drop someone right now who you didn't start this week and pick him up before the Seahawks and Saints play on Monday night football. It's going to be Penny's uh, season debut. We know Alex Collins is going to be out there for the Seahawks as well. Uh, what are expectations for him this week, Jake? I mean, what do, you, what do you think you see? What are you encouraged to see from him this week? We know that Chris Carson is going to be out at least a couple more weeks so maybe there's a a path to Rashad Penny carving out some sort of fantasy meaningful role uh, depending on how he goes tonight yeah it's look I think we talked about it last week I would love for Rashad Penny to be a thing I mean I'm one of the biggest Penny fans there are people know that at this point with the fact that Alex Collins is going to be active uh, I don't have a lot of hope also because you still have Homer we still have DJ Dallas we still have what we went into the season with when everybody was healthy with Chris Carson as they had five running backs well now they're down to four just because they don't have Chris Carson Pete Carroll still gets everybody involved Uh, it's kind of something we've said about Patriots for years on end is that if it was down to just two even I would be invested and I do think Penny has the most upside so yeah if I can still make a move right now or if I didn't already uh, I would go stash Penny just in case if he came out of this game as the best option it wouldn't shock me because that's his talent but it's his first game back coming off yet another injury so I have a you know I have a lot of excitement for Penny I I don't have a lot of excitement for fantasy (laughs) Yeah, I mean, just as a Seattle guy, I would love to see like eight carries tonight, something like that, Um, you know, and probably he is going to play the same role he's always played, which is kind of like that that guy, you know, that they use on the edges in in complementary role to the lead guy. I would think Alex Alex Collins will continue to be that guy. Um, But yeah, I mean, Chris Carson's the interesting one because I have not seen any kind of like anybody hazard a guess on when they think he'll be back. Right. I mean, it's just completely up in the air. And I, I kind of tend to think like this could be a real, a, a while, you know, if we see him at all right. this year. So there could be something here. It's worth, you know, casting a line on Penny and just hoping that the, you know, in Alex Collins isn't a hundred percent healthy. So maybe if Penny is looking good, they actually lean on him a little bit more in this Monday night game. And then you get Jacksonville next week and suddenly He's looking really good. Yeah, just real quick. That's the only reason I'm even mildly interested is because I, I don't. I wonder if that Chris Carson even comes back. Like if we knew yeah. Chris, yeah. if we knew Chris Carson was coming back like David Montgomery in like two or three weeks, I'd be like, man, I don't, forget Penny. Like that. That's how mm. 
frustrating this backfield looks to be, but I'm with Brandon on that. Like uh, some of the reports make it sound like this might, he just might not come back this year. Yeah, and maybe even more so if Seattle continues to uh, not be much of an NFC playoff contender, which could be the case depending on Russell Wilson as well. Uh, let's wrap this up with just a couple of other names. Michael Gallup potentially returning from IR in Week 8. Russell Gage had a decent little game against the Dolphins in Week 7. Alan Lazard did the same for the Packers. Brandon Bolden, Darius Slayton, anyone getting your juices flowing out of that group? Funston or throw out your own guy maybe. Well, I mean, if if I knew Brandon Bolden was the number two in that backfield, I would be interested, you know. Um, but I, I just, I just don't know. I mean, you just don't know with Belichick. So I guess in Alan Lazard, you know, Marquez Valdez Scantling's close to returning mm-hmm. um, Thursday night, though. Who maybe not other- back this week. We've we've played this game before. <laughs> yeah, you said Gallup. Uh, who else did you throw out there? Yeah, Gallup potentially returning from IR in week eight. We've also heard his name bubble around a little bit in trade rumors. Maybe that'd be better for him to go to a spot where he's not competing for targets with CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper. Darius Slayton, as long as Giants guys are injured, maybe could provide you a little bit of value. Russell Gage also. We know that it's Ridley and Pitts, but still Russell Gage, 4'6", 67, and a touchdown in the win over the Dolphins. Any of those guys for you? I guess Darius Slayton because, I mean, who knows who's going to be healthy for the Giants receivers next week, but Darius Slayton's probably in that lineup against that Kansas City Chiefs defense. Um, You know, so I think of all the names you mentioned, if I'm just looking for somebody that I'm going to play immediately in week eight, Darius Slayton's probably the guy that interests me the most. Yeah, to go back to the Brandon Bolden thing, uh, I referenced this on the other show too, and it wasn't, again, the name drop of D'Angelo Williams, but I keep bringing it up because he, he, well, no, because I I don't know, I just want to hammer this point home, and I don't know that everybody's heard it, is that he said sometimes things happen in practice on Wednesday and Thursday, and you just draw the ire of the coach, and you get benched for a week, especially when Mm -hmm. you're talking about a rookie running back. Things can happen in practice. And the teaching lesson is you're not playing this week. And there's other, if you're further up the depth chart, it's, you know, you see limited opportunities in the first half, but a message has been made. And I say that only to say it wouldn't shock me if Stevenson was back to being the number two this week. So I wouldn't bank on it, but I'm saying that that's why I'm with Funston. I'm like, I don't have an interest in Bolden because I don't think we can definitively say he is the number two and it's not somebody else this week. So my answer is the same. It's Darius Slayton, but it's Darius Slayton only if Shepard, Tony, and Galladay are built. Mm, two out of the three, at least <laughs> two, two out of the three, three are, are yeah, yeah. back. I, I, I'm laughing because I don't know if Stevenson's getting the message because this feels like about the third time that, you know, we thought he was bubbling up all and right, all of a sudden he just disappeared. But if you watch the last game, like what he didn't do anything in the game. So something happened to happen in practice. Right. Yeah. No, I'm not saying that's not the case. It's just I, I don't know that the guy's learning his lessons that he's getting midweek from Bill Belichick. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild.
right, guys, let's jump into some of the games here. Funston, you referenced Jamar Chase as one of the winners of Week 7. How many wide receivers would you rather have than him rest of the season? I mean, where is he now in these rankings for the remainder of the year? Mm, I think, you know, obviously, I, I would still take a tie, uh, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, probably Cooper Cup. Um, and then I think you start to vacillate between, you know, uh, people do would I rather have mm-hmm. Stephon Diggs or Jamar Chase, would I rather have Mike His Evans college or Jamar teammate, Chase? Yeah, I just Justin think, Jefferson. Yeah, Justin Jefferson or Jamar. I think that that's the point where you start to say, you know what, if someone was in a draft right now, they took Jamar Chase right after those guys, I wouldn't I would say, okay, that's you know, that's fair. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of where we're at. To me, he's he's entered the top five discussion for for sure at the wide receiver position. Yeah, I had a conversation with Chris about keepers and dynasty and the fact that like this, the conversation's even slimmer than that because you probably don't take Adams not knowing where he's going or how much time he's got left, and you don't know necessarily who Justin Jefferson's quarterback is the rest of the way. And I'm answering that to say he's definitively in the top 10. He's possibly inside the top five. Uh, the conversation mm-hmm. is basically now, are we already talking about him as elite? Uh, I said this year and dynasty, I would still take A.J. Brown just because specimen-wise, and it really comes down to that's the one. If you're talking about how similar they actually are as wide receivers, they're both dominant wide receivers, but A.J. Brown's got the physicality that Chase just will never have. His body's just not built that way. Um, But the fact that we're having this conversation is that's just all you really need to know. Just another ridiculous game for him. Eight catches for 201 yards and a touchdown in the Bengals. Announcement of being real contenders in the AFC, that 41-17 win over the Ravens. On the other side of this game, Jake, we saw Marquise Brown come through with another big game. Five catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. And we're going to talk about this idea of the buy-sell breaking point for a few receivers today. Where is that on Marquise Brown? I guess it's similar to like a rest-of-season value question, but like where does that, where does buy become sell or sell become buy for you on Marquise? I would say if you can get top 15 sell outside of that, I'm fine with holding a similar conversation we've had before. And I brought in two names to this conversation and I said, Tyler Lockett with Russell Wilson and peak Deshaun Jackson. Like we get frustrated because of the down games. We get frustrated when we see the two for 30, Uh, but guess what? Not every wide receiver is a top 10 wide receiver. And that's why you don't get top 10 wide receivers at all three positions. It's just, that's what the difference is, is between getting the names we just talked about in the first or second round. And then these guys later in draft. So at this point, it's not a bad thing of who he is. You deal with the two for 30 because those happen three, four, maybe five games. You get another three or four games mixed in there where it's more of a three for 60 or maybe two for 20 and a touchdown. And then you get the half of the season where he's finishing as a wide receiver one. So This is what you go out with, and it's great to have as a wide receiver three uh, if you went running back heavy. And I'm saying this now like kind of your similar question about Jamar Chase is if you were drafting today and Marquise Brown was your wide receiver two, you'd be okay with it. You'd prefer him to be your three, but you'd be okay with him now as your two. So Mm -hmm. top 15, get the hell off my team. Uh, But if I'm not getting that, I think I just hold on to it. Yeah, I might even value him as you talk about top 15 wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah, I might even value him a tad higher because I look at it. So he's had he's had a three for fifty three and a four for thirty five game. So those are his two worst games. Everything else in half PPR is sixteen points or better. And I look at this Baltimore offense, and they have you can't Kansas City the Baltimore offense. You can't throw deep safeties because you have to worry about Lamar Jackson at the line of scrimmage. You have to work on mm-hmm. worry about Mark Andrews across the middle, and then you have Marquise Brown. The, 
it gets a deep ball every game. And I don't know how you decide I'm going to stop Marquise Brown from getting the deep ball and let Lamar Jackson run for 120 yards against you. I mean, it's, it's, it's a problem and I don't think it, it's going to be able to, you know, it's not going to go away. And the fact that Baltimore is more committed to the pass this year, I think is what will be the difference from what we've seen from Marquise Brown in the past. And we're already seeing it. Yeah, Brandon, you're providing us with just the perfect transition to the next game. Chiefs and Titans. I mean, you, you could tell you could tell me before the game the Titans would win, and I would say, yeah, sure, I actually bet on the Titans at plus five and a half, so feeling good about that. But twenty-seven to three was not in the cards for anyone. Brandon, any cause for concern with the Kansas City offense? Tyreek, Kelsey, Mahomes, any of these guys? All of them. Look, look at <laughs> I'm watching Kansas City week in and week out. I mean. Pat Mahomes right now has lost a little bit of his mojo. It's it's like he, he doesn't have the swagger. You can tell that things aren't kind of just there like they've been there before. Teams have adjusted the defenses. He's getting, you know, he's getting a lot more pressure. I think the offensive line is more of a more of a problem than people are are talking about. You know, that was something we were worried about. But then they they brought in some they brought in some talent on the offensive line. People kind of stopped talking about it. But man, it seems like Mahomes is under pressure a lot. Uh, we know that the teams are playing to stop the deep ball. And in my mind, I think they need to really kind of lean into being a little bit more of a balanced team. They're not, they're not using the backfield at all. I mean, um, and, you know, teams are just not even worried about that backfield. So they're kind of a, you know, they're kind of a one-dimensional team right now that's not, <laughs> not firing on all cylinders with that one dimension. Uh, I, I still try to buy. I think everybody, and I'm not saying you're wrong, Fuss, and I'm saying like buys. I think there's a lot of panic now, and especially on the Daryl Williams front, still with Clyde Edwards Alaire being sidelined, as people are panicking. Taking us Darryl right Williams. to the next thing. There we yeah. go, Jake. Uh, so I, <laughs> well, I was, it's the Giants on Monday night. So yeah, <laughs> bye, bye, bye. Yeah, I'm buying Daryl Williams. I mean, obviously, by tier. The funny thing is, is I've seen people panicking about Tyreek Hill now too. Is like putting him in the conversation of you know Keenan Allen. Like, what's wrong? Like, should I get away from Tyreek Hill? And it's it funny. It's like you knew what you were getting into with Tyreek. Kill. Tyreek Hill is like Deshaun Jackson times two in the fact that you don't get as many bad games, but there was going to be the bad games. There's games where teams decide to take him away, and then Kelsey goes ballistic because you can't take them both away. But Funston is definitely 100% right, and that offensive line is looking to cause problems. You've also had the interception regression for Mahomes. Like, you can't be that reckless, and you're still Mahomes. Look, you are one of the best quarterbacks <laughs> in the NFL, uh, yes. some, best we've seen in some time. But yes. some of the things that he does, it's kind of almost like, you know, he, he's now too cute. He got away with so much. And I'm not I'm not saying this to against him and like somebody's going to clip it and like go post it to him. It's like but it's like a toddler, <laughs> like a toddler get, gets away with things and he gets away with so much. And then sometimes you got to scold him. And I'm not saying like yeah, he needs to be scolded, but like he needs to learn himself like enough with these sideway passes and stuff because they're turning into turnovers now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it has been uh, something that we just haven't been used to seeing with him, and that's just something we're going to have to be reckoning with, I think, as the season goes on here. On the other side of this game, it was a big, big one for A.J. Brown, not so much for Julio Jones. Where's that buy-sell divide for him, Funston? Well, I'd be – I mean, I don't know what – can you sell? What do you have, like two catches for like 23 yards? I mean, is yeah, it – but that's what I'm saying. Like, could that, you, hey. would, like, would you sell low? Would you be comfortable selling him at 75 cents on the dollar from where you drafted him? 
75 cents on the dollar from where I drafted him? Yes. But I, I didn't draft him there. But that's where the ADP was at? Yes. Yeah, where the ADP um, was know, at. I just go back to the beginning of the year. I remember listening to Brock Heward, local guy who covered NFL games last year, and he was talking about the Seahawks and whether they should go after Julio Jones. He's like, you know what? I've talked to enough people and actually covered the Atlanta Falcons games and being there and seeing what Julio Jones had to go through every week on the trainer's table to be ready to play. And I, he's like, I don't want to. I wouldn't want our Seahawks to make that investment. And you know, what what have we seen this year? It's every week. It's a, it's you know, it's, it's a major chore. Is Julio Jones going to be out there? I, this doesn't go away. Not at this point in his career. Not with the history of you know his hamstrings and, and the legs, the lower extremities. Like I just think that he's too much of a hassle. If you can get seventy five cents on the dollar for his ADP price, absolutely, I'm selling. It mostly comes to that is just the health. Uh, you know, he was out there. It looked like he wanted to play more than he was allowed to. Uh, he had the one big play taken away. Uh, I said this to Chris. I actually felt like he had a bigger, bigger day than he did, and maybe that was in the back of my mind or whatever it was. But, yeah, I, I if I could get – I don't know if I would go 75 just because even a couple weeks ago we saw – what a healthy, but I th- that, that's the question there. It's like, do you want to risk Julio Jones? But see, that's the thing, Funston. I think a lot of people were able to get him as their wide receiver three. So is it is it really killing you that he's out there? I don't know that it is. Um, peak peak draft season, Julio was definitively ADP wide receiver two, like, like wide receiver yeah, 21, yeah. 22 right in there. Okay. So, so yeah, maybe, yeah, if you can get fringe wide receiver two value, then definitely I would agree with you. Um, All right, guys, let's go on to Falcons and Dolphins, the one game that was actually in doubt, the result of which in the fourth quarter uh, yesterday. We already talked a little bit about Mike Davis, so let's uh, let's skip that one and go to the running back on the other side of this. Uh, Jake, do you want a ticket for the Miles Gaskin roller coaster? No, get that. I was off last week, and I'm still not getting back on. Uh, if you could sell high after this game, I absolutely would. I, it, honestly, it wasn't looking that good until late in the game. Um, it's the same thing that's been going on with the cases. They were down in a game that nobody expected them to be down. And that's why Gaskin was getting some more work. And that's if you, so if you want to try and play the schedule and go, Hey, game by game, they're at Buffalo. It should be a miles Gaskin week. You know, again, this is so many running backs are hurt. I don't want to say nobody is valuable. I even mentioned the waiver column last week. Look, if you need somebody, you need somebody. Would I roll out miles Gaskin over Mike Davis at this point? Absolutely. Uh, but if I can avoid it, there's no, and if he's on my team, I would absolutely look for the sell high opportunity because the value is now back to where he was being drafted in the preseason. And that's like a low end RB two. And I just don't think you're going to get that consistently. I, I will say though, that this coming week was Buffalo on the road. If there's I a said that you weren't listening. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was looking at the schedule. You, you were talking. So must've, yeah, it, this is a, this is a miles Gaskin setup this week. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to pin this guy down though. It's hard to pin this entire offense down, but maybe we can start pinning it down after a second strong game out of Tua Tungavailoa. Four touchdowns in this one through the two picks, but he threw the four scores. He was working in really all his receivers. Another good game for Mike Isicki. Another good game for Jalen Waddle. He didn't have Devontae Parker at his disposal and still had this maybe best statistical game of his career. So, Funston, are we believing in Tua? And if the answer is yes, what does that mean for the rest of this Dolphins offense? Well, so I believe in Tua in the in that he's what we thought Joe Burrow was going to be, which was just a massive volume quarterback. And even when Jacoby Brissett was in there, they have to throw. You know, it's 
extension of our, our issues with Miles Gaskin is is really the issues with this Miami backfield and the fact that they don't they don't even pretend to want to run the football a whole lot. So and because this defense is not as good as we thought they were, they're playing scoreboard yeah. chase a lot. So they're sort of you know, another way of looking at it is they're like the you know, the AFC's version of Detroit. So um you know, in that regard, like you like a quarterback in that environment, give Tua credit. I mean, he he mm-hmm. drove them mm-hmm. down to the field, got the game winning or what would have been the game winning touchdown score, and then the defense gave up the you know the late field goal. But you got to give him credit for kind of being there in the end and making the plays he needed to. I think that's a confidence boost for him. It's a confidence boost for the coach and how they feel about him. So, I mean, I feel good about Tua because I think the volume is going to be there week in and week out. Mm, mostly uh, this this Buffalo game concerns me more like not that the volume won't be there but just how effective will the volume be and yeah. two yeah. honestly w- for three quarters of that game two it wasn't looking that good it was actually looking like it made a mistake if you stra- streamed them but and, you know you can't take anything away from it but it was a game that should have been a layup and for a lot of it it just wasn't looking very good so i, I don't disagree and he's you know i was a two a guy heading this season i am is you know around qb 15 16 somewhere around there and honestly that's probably just still where i would have him going forward um, really quick, on the other side here, I do want one Falcons topic in, and it's on Calvin Ridley. We talked about the big game for Kyle Pitts. Ridley got 10 more targets in this game, only caught four for 26 yards and a touchdown. Uh, when I say buy or sell Calvin Ridley, basically the question here is, Jake, is are you still treating him as you know something between wide receiver four and wide receiver seven the way we were back no. in draft season? No, not even close. <laughs> if I can get top 10 wide receiver value for Calvin Ridley, I'm out. Uh, and hopefully that people just look at the fact that he scored and get the hell out of there because he's just he's not Calvin Ridley in the fact of a couple things. You know, was it a decent volume day? Sure. But again, a lot of it, my ranking included in that range in the preseason was banking on the fact that 150 targets and, you know, 150 targets, 150 targets. But also part of it is that he's just not doing anything after the catch. And I brought that up a few weeks ago and I said, I think it was Rudy Gamble, but I don't remember who it was exactly, but said that, you know, Calvin Ridley's never really been that great after the catch. And when you're reliant like that, he's not a possession receiver, but he's not far from it. And that's the issue. Now you're basing everything. If you are a possession receiver, everything comes down to air targets, air yards per target. And if you're not getting Mm -hmm. it and it's hovering around nine, well, then you're just going to be a wide receiver too. Like, you know, you're going to be touchdown reliant and I don't know that it's there for him. So yeah, if I can get a wide receiver one value out of him going forward, I, I would definitely move on from him. Yeah. I'm trying to like, I'm feeling like maybe Keenan Allen is a good comp for him right mm-hmm. now. They're kind of like not, not slam dunk wide receiver ones, but more of like that fringy, you know, 12 to 15 guy at the wide receiver position. And I think they're kind of similar in, in how they yeah. are right now. So if you look at Mike Williams as sort of the Kyle Pitts of that offense. Yeah, I think that uh, I, I actually said that, that to Chris that, going forward that Kyle Pitts could be better than Calvin Ridley going forward. Yeah, and I think that's mm-hmm. sort of a, that'll be a, a fun one to track for sure as we go on through the remainder of the season. Let's get into our next game, Lions and Rams. First of all, love what the Lions did in this one, knowing that they're these huge underdogs. So let's try some stuff. Let's surprise onside, fake punts. Great game plan from them, and they they were in it. They were in it pretty much right until the end of the game. That's what you got to do when you're dogs. And we saw another big game from DeAndre Swift. And if if you haven't been tracking this, DeAndre Swift, half PPR leagues, right now is the RB3. Only running backs who have scored more points than DeAndre Swift, Derrick Henry, and Jonathan Taylor. And if you move it up to full PPR leagues, he's the RB2 behind only Derrick Henry. So the question here, Funston, how many backs would you rather have than DeAndre Swift the rest of the season? 
Oh, probably like five or six. I mean, he he would be in my top ten. Um, but I, you know, those two guys that are in front of him, probably Zeke, Austin Eckler. Um, you know, I maybe just on straight overall volume, Najee Harris would be someone I would consider mm-hmm. over him. But it's tough. I mean, he's on pace for you know, is Christian McCaffrey like? When are we making this decision? Yeah, is right. McCaffrey Aaron close Jones? to coming back? Aaron Jones. I think he's uh-huh. him and Aaron Jones is a pretty good is a pretty good comp. Like. You could go back yeah. and forth right about there. So I would say probably seven. Uh, I would that, probably six running backs I'd take ahead of him be about number seven for me. Uh, first, I just want to say thanks to Rivers because it's not been a lot of smiling this past week for me, and he made me smile with Make a List. But that's my show. That's we make a list on my show. So, <laughs> but I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> I was I was counting down the list, and I got up to twelve. Like legitimately 12 that you'd rather have yeah i mean uh, i think you could put james robinson in there i forgot to mention him so derek i'll I'll just go down the list and tell you and you can tell me if you disagree with any of them at the end of the list but i would still take henry taylor i would still take eckler i would skip aaron jones because i thought that was a toss-up i would take zeke i would take harris i would take a healthy joe mixon i think he looks healthy i would take james robinson daryl henderson and then alvin Kamara still and i know he's down there um, and then the three, Dalvin Cook, missing time, Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. And obviously Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley, if you want to play, do they play or not? I understand that. Standings but a little bit going to depend. But I'm going to go back to something I said. Like I, Until this game, 70% of his volume was fourth quarter in overtime. Fourth mm-hmm. quarter, like three quarters of each, like three quarters of the season, he had like almost no value. This game changed. He got a lot of work early, and I feel better about that. I do feel better about DeAndre Swift. This is how. I, what did I say? Remember, go back to our preseason shows. Remember it, Funston. The article I wrote, the very first sentence was, "Let me get this straight. I love DeAndre Swift, the player. I love right. him so much. I don't love his situation. I'm hoping I've turned the corner. And if last week's game, well, not yesterday's game, is what we see next week." I'm going to get closer and I'm going to kick some of those names out of the list. And if it happens two more games, and I hate to say that I need to see more, but I do. I need to see that that work is not only fourth quarter. Yeah, I think Daryl Henderson and there was one other person I would still take DeAndre Swift over. So oh, I forgot Nick Chubb, too. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's just let's just call him a in the, RB1. In the a fringe RB1. Well, so I, I don't even think he's fringe in my mind. I think he's a firm back-end RB1. Back-end RB1 for the rest of the And if you told me that workload yesterday was what he would see going forward, and I mean that uh-huh. in the fact that the first three quarters, I would say he's top 10, no question. Uh, I'm just, I'm still hesitant, and maybe I'm going to be late to the party, but I'm, I'm still, hey, I'm on a lot of fantasy teams, so I don't care if it happens. <laughs> <laughs> shaping up to be one of the uh, bigger values of draft season when you consider the fact that he was uh, what maybe like a back end RB two by the time people were really sitting down to draft third fourth round late August early September right and so with what he's been doing shaping up to be one of the bigger draft day values of the 2021 season all right guys I want to talk Raiders and Eagles here next and I just want to ask, like, what are we making of the Raiders' offense? They've been there's been some really good games. We saw a great, efficient game from Derek Carr in this win over the Eagles. He did it without Darren Waller. Josh Jacobs dealing with this chest injury. They do have a bye in Week Eight, so maybe he's back by Week Nine. So we've seen this offense be mostly good this season, but we also don't know. I feel like exactly what to expect week in, week out beyond Darren Waller when he's healthy. So how do you just size this offense up, Funston? 
Well, first of all, if you look at their schedule, they get the uh, Giants, Kansas City twice, and Washington in four of their next six games. So there's a lot of you know enticing matchups for this offense. I think it's been the offense has been pretty balanced and, and, and pretty good in general. I, I I have you know in terms of do I trust them or not? I think I'm more on the trust side than than not trust. I mean. Um, you know, the receivers, Henry Ruggs, until this last week, was making a big play every week. And instead of it being Ruggs this week, it was Brian Edwards that had the better game. And he's been around. He's been, you know, on the periphery of our interest for most of the year. Foster Moreau was a plug-and-play for Darren Waller. That tight end position is going to be good week in and week out. And the running back position. One thing I'll say about this this game, um, Josh Jacobs went out. Kenyon Drake was the replacement for Josh Jacobs. And I just wonder with Jalen Richard back now, if he if if it changes things where mm-hmm. Kenyon Drake will be the third down back when Jacobs is healthy. But then if Jacobs goes down, it, it'll be Drake as the lead back and Richard as the third down back. And there's no more Peyton Barber room in this backfield. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, honestly, I think that's one of the bigger things we can take away from that is that the coaching changes like Drake is back to be like I put him in last week's waiver column. I said check to make sure if he was dropped, not that I was expecting mm-hmm. two touchdowns on six touches every single week, <laughs> but the fact that he looked to be the backup again, which is something that he had lost before that. Um, I was trying to pull it up from week seven to see, but I mentioned and I'll have it in one second. So that's why I'm kind of wasting time here <laughs> but it, a little bit yeah that's it really what it comes down to is it, i looked at it last week and i said if brian edwards was dropped in your league or he's still out there to go check mm-hmm. because last week and i'm seeing if it replicated again this week and it did yeah so he was only second to darren waller last week in snaps and that was the first time this season and it happened again this week and it's actually more pronounced this week foster Moreau was out there for 100 percent of the snaps brian edwards was 88.9 Henry Ruggs was third at 69.8. That's an enormous difference. And mm-hmm. now Hunter Renfro, 54. He is, so I when I was talking about Brian Edwards last week, it was like it's not only that Brian Edwards is now finally becoming a thing as the one and two with Ruggs, but I think that Renfro is now getting pushed out of the equation. He had, what, seven for 50 or something like that yesterday? Yeah. So still PPR, yeah. wide receiver three. Uh, you know, he's kind of in that same conversation. He's always probably four or more like Cole Beasley. You hope he score a touchdown. Uh, Ruggs is what he was. He's a boomer bust wide receiver three slash four. But I think the biggest takeaway is that Edwards might be a thing going forward and he might push his name into the top 30. Well, you know, what? just really quickly, to, just to chime mm-hmm. in, is we lost the narrative, you know, the narrative street of John Gruden, you know, wanted Henry Ruggs and it was a top 10 pick. And, you know, he wants to prove that was not a wasted pick. That's <laughs> no longer that's no longer in play, whether that yep. was a thing or not. But it kind of sort of early in the year kind of felt like a thing, you know. So now that's there's thing. Yeah. Yeah, there's no motivation there from from the head coach that I have to make sure Henry Ruggs shows out week in and week out. So uh, I'm not saying that's part of it, but I just thought I'd throw it out there. All right, let's talk Cardinals and Texans. Cardinals cruise to a 31-5 win in this game. If there's one thing that maybe you want to talk about, what's the concern level on Kyler Murray's recent lack of run game production. He had six carries for 10 yards in this game. Go back to last week against Cleveland, seven carries, six yards. The week before against San Francisco, seven carries, one yard. So we really haven't seen much from Kyler in the way of running the ball. Uh, Jake, is that short-term whatever? Is it something that is actually a concern? I was pointing for you to go to Funston first because credit (laughs) where – no, no, no. I'm giving credit where credit is due. Funston sat here 
for three weeks in a row in the preseason and said Murray was going to run less, and that's why he didn't like him as much this year. So you go first, Brandon. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do recall that, and I, I just don't think Kyler Murray really likes to run. I was just, I, I just, I remember watching on yesterday when he got tackled, and he had this like this disgusted looking face like it was almost like I it almost looked like he was you know it was disdain that he had to actually run but um I expected him to run less I didn't expect him to run you know this much less uh but I think what we're seeing right now is this coincides with when he started to complain about his shoulder and that was mm-hmm. almost exactly that same week so um definitely if he's not feeling 100% I would 100 percent feel week. like he's not going to run a whole lot so yeah i think this is the expectation you got to just kind of assume he's mm-hmm. not going to be lamar jackson here he's not going to be jalen hurts he's going to be a guy that's going to look to throw more often than not and he's got a ton of guys to throw to and that's working yeah. so why run you know i think he's yeah, now yeah. he's he's essentially daniel jones but can actually throw well and has <laughs> but an, an actual good quarterback. Yeah, and has better <laughs> weapons as of I mean you can argue when everybody's healthy on both teams you might have better collectively for you know including Saquon Barkley versus that backfield yeah, but all yeah. that and I say that to say it's a short week against Green Bay and Green yeah. Bay's defense has been abysmal against the pass especially since losing Alexander. I don't know if he's mm-hmm. back this week or next. I think it's next, isn't it? Is the next game? But short week. But Kyler Murray has to do it more with his arm now than he has before, which isn't terrible for fantasy it just we were talking about Kyler Murray as potential one two three like Allen Mahomes Murray take your mm-hmm. pick and if you have a disagreement who cares you're fine you could argue Kyler Murray is number right. one but I think he's out of that conversation now I think now he's in the second tier of quarterbacks and it's mostly because of what Brandon called and you know he just said he wasn't expected to be this bad and I, I actually even pushed back and I said, you know, I, I think I when I say six, seven hundred yards, so a drop off, but I expected it hurt more in the touch. Like we nobody was expecting eleven touchdowns. Nobody was expecting yeah. that. Yeah. But no, also, like you said, nobody's expecting it to be this bad. Yeah, right, the true value to- in his leg. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm just gonna say the true value in his legs now is just to extend, you know, his ability to throw the ball. I mean, he still looks mm-hmm. awesome running, but it's yeah. in eluding pass rushes and making amazing passing plays. And that's plenty of value there, too, added. So uh, even though he's not getting the yards with it, he's still creating the value with his legs. I want to roll us back to last Thursday, Denver and Cleveland. Another split backfield day, almost right down the middle for the uh, Broncos, to the extent that both Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon had receiving touchdowns. Uh, Jake, do we need to accept that this is what it is for Denver? I think we already did on this show and I'm not saying like mm-hmm. I, I know what you're asking but we already said this on this show and we said we wish it wasn't but this is what we need to accept going forward and Funston even said it on last Thursday to give him credit again and he said like My- Melvin Gordon's a good buy because people want this to be done um, but it is yeah it's 100% a split going forward it's not going away it's you know a lot of backfields like this like Arizona it's a split that's not going away theirs is more pronounced and what each role is that's the I, I think that's why Denver's backfield is better is because they yeah. use both consistently, uh, but that puts them in the risky low end RB two range because if they don't score a touchdown or you know one's on a drive that's going well and one keeps getting drives that end up in punts, you could have a really bad day. On the other side, we saw the big Dearness Johnson game here, and you know we know that this is created by the injuries in Cleveland, but Nick Chubb could be back this week. Kareem Hunt going to miss some time. This backfield creates a lot of value. Is there enough here, Funston, to start Dearness Johnson alongside Nick Chubb the way that we can start Kareem Hunt alongside him? 
I think you have to expect that. I, I mean, I think I think they're going to lean on um, both running backs, and Dearness Johnson's probably in what he did his last time out done enough to, make, if not be full cream hunt, be enough that you have to consider him as you know a, a, maybe a flex play. Uh, I think there will be. Is it double digit touches? I think that might be pushing it, but it might be close. Um, I don't think they're, you know, if they're running the way they want to run, I don't think they want to have Nick Chubb carry that entire workload. So I think they're willing to do it with Dearness Johnson because they know he's not going to be our guy week in and week out for the rest of the year. But if they're back to Chubb being their lead guy and it'll either be Johnson or Hunt as number two, I think they're going to try to limit Nick Chubb's overall workload so that he can he can be there week in and week out. All right, guys, one of the other big blowouts of the day was Buccaneers and Bears, which not a huge surprise, but still a pretty embarrassing performance from the Bears offense. On the other side, Tampa Bay just doing what it does. We had a four-touchdown game out of uh, Tom Brady, three of those going to Mike Evans. Chris Godwin goes north of 100 yards with a touchdown. Leonard Fournette gets the job done again. Is Tampa Bay the most bankable offense in the league, Jake? Yeah, uh, this is Tom Brady starts every single week no matter what. Mike Evans, Antonio Brown included, Chris Godwin start every single week, no matter what. Uh, Will one of them potentially end up as a wide receiver three any given week? Absolutely. That's what this offense is. But you start all three of them. Leonard Fournette is continuing to be playoff or Lombardi or whatever nickname the hell you want to give him yesterday, (laughs) like whatever it is. He's an RB. Honestly, that list that I I was going to say, that list that I gave before. (laughs) With Swift? I mean, honestly, Leonard Fournette deserves to be in that same conversation. He would be on the low end of it, but he deserves to be there at this point. The only thing that's not bankable is the tight end position. And I say that even when Gronkowski's back, because Gronkowski just isn't on the field enough that it's basically touchdown or bust for him. And granted, he does it more often than not. But, I mean, yeah, Tampa Bay every single week, especially if they're going to keep going for it on fourth and one while they're up 35 points (laughs) on the goal line. (laughs) Uh, yeah. yeah, just to, just a note that Salfino brought up in his column, um, Mike Evans, 20 touchdowns in 23 games with Tom Brady. Pretty pretty good. So touchdown or bust might maybe Mike Evans too, but it's touchdown yeah. every week. So, <laughs> so wait, wait, wait. So not to attack him while he's not on the show, but we can bank on Evans' touchdowns, but we can't bank on Thielen's touchdowns? Oh, yeah, probably. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. I, I like it. I'm, I'm already imagining a, a Jake Salfino roundtable. I'm starting to formulate some Evans versus Thielen. Uh, <laughs> uh, really quick, other side of this game, Khalil Herbert ran for 100 yards, and he looked good doing it. We know that the Chicago offense is a mess. Talked about Allen Robinson earlier, Darnell Mooney. You just can't touch them. Oh, yeah, Justin Fields clearly yeah. not ready. Like, but can you keep starting Khalil Herbert until – David Montgomery comes back and you trust this offense enough to, for him to to get the uh, the work that gets. I'm him jumping to in, Faustin. More more than you can just you know, more than you can trust Elijah Mitchell. That's how much you can trust. Oh, him. okay. I mean, look, look, he just did it against Tampa. He did it against Tampa. Damian Williams was back, and I even speculated. I said, you know, maybe Damian Williams wasn't 100 percent because he came off COVID, and maybe like he actually mm-hmm. got hit by it and wasn't feeling 100 percent. But you do that against Tampa. And granted, Tampa Bay has been more vulnerable against the run this year than they were last year, but they're still top 10, close to top five. They're still a tough run defense. And he did it. And the biggest takeaway I have from it is that the Bears trusted him in the passing game and in pass blocking. And that's the biggest takeaway I come from. So, yeah, David Montgomery's coming back. And I even said this before this week even happened. And the trade questions that I get in the ranks column is that, I'm not banned David Montgomery at top 15 price because I don't know that this isn't a split with Herbert when he comes back now. 
Yeah. Uh, one thing I'll just say, I, you, you mentioned it, Billy. He looked good doing it. I, I think from an eye test standpoint, he's been the best looking replacement running back that I've seen this year. Like mm-hmm. he looks like a legit NFL starter, should be starting somewhere. And, I, and you know, to Jake's point, yeah, he, he might end up just have already played his way into some kind of a meaningful role alongside David Montgomery. So, um, yeah, I think he's here to stay. A silver lining, perhaps, so something that we can rely on somewhat in the Chicago offense. Um, all right, guys, let's talk Panthers, and I, I have to get this one in. Sam Darnold, Donald, you guys, is it? Is it just <laughs> over for Sammy D here? Uh, I, that's fair to say. I mean, I have no problem <laughs> with that. I'm not going to refute that. And they, I mean, it's not like P.J. Walker did any better, though. It, the offensive line is doing him no favors. I think the biggest takeaway from here is I'm trying to buy low on D.J. Moore because yes. this this, this offense. This. Oh, this. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, it's the fact that this offense is night and day without Christian McCaffrey. And, mm-hmm. you know, you know I've been sitting here and saying Sam Darnold's no different than he was last year and that people just assume that he's better because he's no way from Gase and fantasy production from the rushing touchdowns, but he's the same Darnold that you saw it in that game. Darnold is Darnold. Uh, do they think P.J. Walker is their future? I don't think so. So I don't necessarily think that it's going to all of a sudden P.J. Walker is going to be starting. But when P.J. Walker came in, it was the same issues. And so I'm not saying Darnold's not at fault, but that offensive line was just getting destroyed. I mean, they even highlighted the one play where their guard just got pushed into the lap of Sam Darnold. And that's really mm-hmm. what it comes down to. So, yeah, I'm buying D.J. more mostly because I'm hoping – that CJ, I hope Christian McCaffrey is coming back. Honestly, you know, maybe we're going down last year's road again, but that's where I'm going with this. With just that quickly, in mind, oh yeah, go ahead. No, you can you can get on that Funston too. But with that in mind, are we still starting Chuba and Devontae Booker until their starters return? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we're being mid RB you know, We're looking. Yeah, we're looking at just you know at recency bias here, but you know mm-hmm. weeks before you know in the weeks before we were happy with what they were doing. Last week so, we were happy about Hubbard. This week we were happy about this Booker. Week, Booker. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. touchdown. Yeah. Exactly. And D- and really quickly on DJ Moore, I was going to say is same amount of targets as Devonte Adams. He has only one game less than seventy yards, and you could say it's mm-hmm. been the, kind of the worst of times over like the last you know since McCaffrey's gone out, which was early in the year. So. Yeah, McCaffrey comes back. I, I'm with Jake. I'd be buying DJ Moore if people are selling low. All right, guys. we got to wrap this show up. I have one more question that I do want to get into the show. It concerns the Packers and Washington. Packers, whatever. We know what that offense is. On the other side, Antonio Gibson played again. 14 carries, 51 yards, not heavily involved in the passing game. J.D. McKissick really took over in the fourth quarter with the with the uh, Washington football team chasing with the with that combined with the injury, what's the level of concern for Antonio Gibson rest of season, Funston? Hi, I've been saying this. Virginia called this. You know, he should not be playing through a stress fracture in his shin. That's just simply it's a it's a bit of malpractice on on the Washington football team. They should step in and not let him play. I mean, this is this is dumb, and he's clearly affected by it. Uh, I actually thought I saw him noticeably wincing, like like favoring that leg when he was out there. Um, I just think he should take three weeks to a, a month off and get this taken care of. What are they playing for? What's, what's, what's the Washington <laughs> football team? have? Are they still competitively thinking they have a playoff chance? I mean, it's ridiculous. Get him off the field. 
Yeah, it's as high as it could be. If somebody's willing to give you top 15 running back value trade away, just because mostly what Brandon just said, I'm, I'm worried about the shutdown, is that they might shut them down for a few games, especially as they full, fall further out of the race. Uh, before we get out of here, Beller, make sure you go see Daniel Jeremiah's tweet and the fact that Justin Fields' passer rating on play action, 99. Mm. 99. He's averaging <laughs> 11 higher completion percentage, 7.6 yards per attempt, a touchdown, and zero interceptions. And Adam, the new Adam Gase, Matt Nagy, is just destroying Justin Fields. <laughs> just destroying this, uh, this coaching change that almost certainly is coming, can't come soon enough from the perspective of at least one, and by at least one, I mean literally every single Bears fan uh, that uh, can't wait for that to go down. Thanks so much for joining us here on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. For Jake and Brandon, I'm Michael Beller. Good luck to everyone who still needs something to go right for them on Monday Night Football. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.